the adult Christmas cantata is next Sunday, the 13th, during the morning service at 10.55. And then the children's Christmas program will be in the evening at 6 p.m., followed by the Happy Birthday Jesus Texas Fellowship. Um, so please come and be blessed by that time of fellowship and celebration of our Lord Jesus. Um, and then the OCC uh, processing sign-up sheet is still on the table in the foyer, and you just need to get signed up so DJ can send you the link to fill out for getting your slot for Saturday the 12th, and our slot is 10 to 2. Okay, so Wednesday's the best, she says. And that is actually in Dallas, so you'll have to make arrangements to leave here in time to get there um, for that shift. And then the annual cookie exchange will be on the evening of Tuesday, December 22nd at 6. And it should be around 6 to 8. Um, we'll have lots of family fun and fellowship games and lots of good, good eats. Um, and then we will be having a Christmas Eve service on December 24th. And I believe it's going to be at 6, but I haven't confirmed that. So stay tuned. But I'm pretty sure it should be around 6. And then um, if you are interested in making a contribution to the Lottie Moon Fund, write that on the envelope in the back of the pew. And there is a great information board that Martha Guy made for us on the table in the foyer that has lots of information about that mission project and outreach. Um, and with that, have a blessed day. And we'll dream. Day the Lord's made, <laughs> we should rejoice and be glad in it. And I was informed this morning that I'm going to have a muffle put on me. I guess it's starting to happen right now. So. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me tell you what. Uh, I just want you to know that no matter how much you suppress, it's really hard to stop the Spirit. Amen? So when God gets moving, I'm going to get a little bit loud. I can't help it. You know? Nothing I can do about it. And so if I get to speaking loud, just listen loud. Amen? You might say, Josh, sometimes you're speaking too fast. Well, if I'm speaking too fast, you got to listen fast, too. Amen. So with that being said, I want to welcome you to Robinson Avenue. You're visiting with us this morning. You can take the time to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Put it in the offering plate when you come around so you can have a regular visit. We would greatly appreciate that. In the meantime, I want to personally invite you to Sunday night services at uh, 6 o'clock here. Robinson Avenue Baptist Church, Wednesday night, 6.30. Very special service coming up this Wednesday. Christ in the Hanukkah. You ever wonder what Hanukkah is all about and how Jesus is reflected in Hanukkah service? Come and be a part of that Wednesday night. We'll actually show you a menorah to set it up there. We'll actually light one of the more menorahs in there if the sprinklers don't go off. Is that going to happen? So we'll light one. Amen. That means I can light the menorah there. <laughs> we'll light the menorah and show you how that is in there. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the Gospel of John and the light that comes into the world. We'll have a lot of fun with that. So come be a part of those things. With that being said, church, uh, thank you so much for those of you that came out and uh, decorated the church. And those of you that have supported and been a part of Operation Christmas Child, please continue to keep that in prayer. There's still one more stage to go through, so be in prayer with those things. Uh, other than that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And after we pray, let's give back to Christ. Father, Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. And Father God, as we come together to worship you, we just pray that you would send your spirit. Touch us with your goodness and your love, Lord. And I just pray that as your spirit has its way in our hearts, Lord, you'd open us up to see something. To know that we've been in your house and been in your presence, Lord God. That we might leave here being equipped, encouraged, and edified, Father God, to share your gospel, the story of your son, with everybody we meet. 
I just pray that if there be anybody here this morning that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day. Anybody, Father, who's listening to you on our live stream, would you let today be the day they come to know you? And Lord, for those of us that are out traveling, and those, Father God, who are out working, and those, Lord, who are homesick with COVID-19 or anything else, I'm praying, Lord, you would let them know right now that they are loved and they are prayed for. Heal them quickly and get them back to us safely. In Jesus' holy and righteous name we pray. all stand up. We're going to do some praising of God in song. We're going to start off with Blessed Be Your Name.
Stand up again. We're going to sing your great name again, Jesus' name above all names. Then we're just going to throw in something a little special for the final night.
give you all a little taste of next Sunday. We're going to sing a song for you from Tata called Adore.
Good morning. That's a hard act to follow, isn't it? <laughs> if you have your Bibles with you, open me please to the prophet Isaiah chapter 9. Prophet Isaiah chapter 9. It is Christmas time, isn't it? My goodness, what happened? Seems like I closed my eyes and, well, here we are, you know? Six years just flown by. Of course, a lot of us are saying, thank God, right? 2020 has been such a strange, unusual year. I got news for you, though. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get better when Jesus comes back, amen? That's the only time it's going to get better. That's the only time things are going to get fixed. Meantime, we're supposed to be out doing His will and His work. And that is sharing the gospel with everybody we meet. So if you'll look with me in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, we're going to look at what I call a prophetic advent calendar. Let me just apologize for having a few typos in there this morning. So, prophetic advent calendar. So, you probably know what an advent calendar is, but you've got kids who do anyway. And so, I, I grew up with advent calendars. It was something my mom was big on. Fed advent calendars every year. In fact, she still drops them off to my sons at the house. Of course, I'm the one who still eats the candy. They go like this. And so, uh, to be honest with you, uh, they, were, they were fun. And I enjoyed them, and uh, my children enjoyed them. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, and we'll, we'll take a look at God's prophetic advent calendar. Look with me in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we look into your word, I just pray your word would have its way in our hearts and our lives. That if there be anybody, Father God, that needs to give their heart and soul to you, Lord, that this morning would be the very morning, Lord, they come to realize the Son was born. I want to pray, Father God, and ask you in your holy and righteous name to save them today, Lord. Move them to come to know you, Lord. If there be any that needs to get their heart right with you this morning, would you let today be the day? Any, Father God, that need to be in this fellowship, would you let today be the day? I want to give you the praise, honor, and glory, even now, in Jesus' holy and righteous name. Amen. I have a picture of a calendar, of Advent calendar, I'd like for you to see. And I want to point out on this picture that. The, the numbers, of course, are all a little different. You know, they're, they're not in order. You had to find 1 through 24. And if you got a really nice calendar, you actually had 25 on there as well. But let's just be honest. What kid in their right mind cared about day number 25 chocolate? That was a, that was a last thought, wasn't that? So, but 1 through 24, you had to find them on there. And you had to open up the doors, and sometimes the doors were different. Sometimes... Uh, they were star-shaped, sometimes they were circle-shaped, sometimes they were moon-shaped, sometimes they were square, but sometimes they had two doors that opened them up, you know, kind of like shutters on a window or something. But you had to find the number, and you had to open the paper door. And I got to the point when I got a little older, I just ripped, ripped the paper off. And that way, you know, closing it, I didn't have to find that one again. And so that was a process of elimination. The closer I got to 24, the less doors I had to search through, amen? See, that's what I call working smarter, not harder, right? Of course, you're supposed to close it so it would make the search harder again the next day. You know, as it blended in. No, 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 I ripped it off, and I had a blast with that. Of 
course, it all led up to Christmas Eve. Now, my house, and I don't know about your house, but my house, we had a Christmas Eve tradition. And that tradition was my father would bring us a, a, a first gift, if you will, and that gift was usually a model. Back when we were in Germany, Dad would bring us models. We did models. Or, uh, when we got older, it was pajamas. We got pajamas. And um, that was just what we did. And it's carried on into to my kids and my, my family and my tradition. And so that still is carried on. Um, but Christmas Eve was the biggest night of anticipation. And it still is, I think. And still is life. And so I want to share with you something from my heart before we even get into the Word this morning. Even before we get into our sermon, I want to share with you something very, very personal. You see, years and years ago, I worked for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And this was the first time in our life we had actually made a decent amount of money. Now, all my life I had pastored small Baptist churches. And let me tell you, small Baptist churches do not pay well. They don't. So my wife had to work, and I would usually work two or three jobs to make ends meet all my life until God sent me to Bible to have it. Thank you, Father God. I'm not kidding you. Thank you, Father God. I don't know what to do with myself. And uh, church, uh, for the first time, we had made money, a little bit of money when I worked for the state of Texas. And we, didn't, we, we had some. And my, my son had, a, my eldest son, Joshua, is on a submarine right now. So please be in prayer for him. Uh, yes, and my second son, brand new United States Marine, amen? Yeah. Yes, I'm very proud of my son. What's my third son going to be? Air Force, maybe. You know, you never know. Space Force, what they got nowadays. So, you never know. But uh, I remember my eldest son, we had a very old PlayStation. And I, I know you know what that is. Uh, it was very old, and the, the games in there were old, and we had purchased it for... Uh, my son, when I was still in Bible school, we actually got it from one of my friends who sold it to me very cheap. So it was used. And then some of the games were given to me by my brothers, and my son loved them. He loved them. Well, the time had come where that PlayStation was no longer what he wanted. He was probably, I don't know, nine or ten at the time. Uh, Joshua was maybe eight. I don't know, and Jordan was right behind him, you know, just a year, year and a half behind him. And he came to me, my eldest son, and said, Dad, I want a PlayStation 2. Now, PlayStation, PlayStation 2 had been out quite a while. It was already old. And so I agreed. I said, well, you know what? Uh, Mom and I could probably get you one of those. And we drove to Walmart that night, and we got him one. And it wasn't very, very expensive. Because like I said, they were already old. Oh, and my son was so happy. He hugged Dad. Oh, he loved me. He even kissed me on my cheek. You remember what that's like? I had your son kiss you. He just melts your heart. You know, it will. He said, Dad, I love you. And I loved him back. It was so wonderful to give him that gift. So small and meaningless that gift is. But until that day, when I came home from work, I was my son's highlight. I would get home and they would come running to the door and say, Dad's home. And the game could now begin. The fun would now start. So that doggone PlayStation got there. That PlayStation got there, out of a sudden, uh, they were no longer running to the door to greet Dad because that was my highlight of the day. When I get home, those boys would come and run to me. When I got home now, I had to go to their room and say, Where are you at? They said, Oh, hi, Dad. Go back to playing that game. And I realized something that we often mistake and often lose in our Christianity. A lot of times we 
fall in love with the gift so much more than we do with the gift giver, amen? And we do that with Father God all the time. Amen? And we need to think about that this Christmas time. And think about what He's given us. You see, Father God didn't give us a PlayStation. He didn't give us anything less than Himself. Did you read that in Isaiah 96? Look what His name will be called. Wonderful, Counselor, Everlasting Father, because it's Him. He doesn't give anything less than Himself. It's no cheap imitation. It is Him. So this Christmas season, make sure to give thanks for what He's done for us. All right, so let's look at Isaiah's countdown, shall we? Isaiah 9, verse 6. Where else a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, if we were to look at this as an Advent calendar, then we would look behind just door number one. Now, we're in a Baptist church, so we don't have 24 doors. We're like this, amen, y'all? We only got three, right? So, three, the Baptist church. We've got to have three points in there. Look at our first stage or our first door. Uh, and let's take a look at what Isaiah says there. For unto us a child is born. And that's how it starts, isn't it? That's how all of us begin our Christian life, if you will. We get to understanding that a child was born. That's how I began my Christian movement. I knew nothing about Jesus. I knew very little about the cross. I knew nothing about His Word. I knew nothing about His Spirit. But I knew, so help me, I knew that there was a baby born at Christmas time. Somebody say amen. And we're all there right now. And some of us are there in our walk right now. We're at that point where we believe that God sent His Son at Christmas time. And that's where we stay at. Unfortunately, some Christians never leave that stage in their Advent calendar. They stay in what I call baby Jesus Christianity. Are you there right now? Have you been walking there for years? And you're staying there. You've never left the manger. And you're still living there, still trying to get gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having wise men show up all the time when Jesus is saying, Come on, it's time to move. It's time to grow. It's time to become a Christian. The first stage, unto us a child is born. I call it the first stage of belief. Now, a lot of us can have that part. And not know God's personal Lord and Savior. Because I knew that there was a baby born in the manger. But I was not saved. For unto us a child is born. The world knows that. My brothers, the Jews, know that. That's how it starts. Knowing about Jesus. The problem is, like I said before, is most never leave that place. They stay in baby Jesus Christianity. Baby Jesus Christianity is marked by a couple of of markers, if you will, by a couple of facts. I want to give you a few of them, and I didn't put this in the PowerPoint, so don't go looking for them, okay? So I'm just going to give you right out of the top of my head. There are a couple of facts of baby Jesus Christianity. What is baby Jesus Christianity? It's number one, is that baby Jesus is 100% and always, always understanding. And that's true. That's true, but they never leave the part where Jesus will become judge. They'll never leave the part. They'll never understand the part that not only does he come out of the manger, he goes to the cross. Amen? And he goes from the cross to the grave. And from the grave to the sky. And one of these days he's going to call us up to the sky. And they forget about that. In fact, that's a scary part. When Jesus calls us up to the sky, there's going to be some folks left behind. Somebody say amen. 
That's kind of scary, isn't it? They would rather stay back in baby Jesus Christianity. Baby Jesus Christianity is a everything's fair. Can I give you a spiritual truth? God's not interested in fairness. God's interested in justice. Always interested in justice. In fact, God has given you, listen to me now, Christian, God has given you every advantage over this world. He's given you the advantage to win, to have the gates of hell never, ever prevail against you. Amen? He's given you the Holy Spirit. You've got an advantage the world does not even begin to understand. I'm getting a little bit excited this morning. I'm getting just a hair bit, hair bit of hiccup here. So, if we're looking at some of our markers of baby Christianity, the first thing we're going to realize is that they want to stay in the manger and they want to stay with an immature style of Christianity, meaning nothing can go wrong. Everybody's lovey-dovey. Everybody cares about everybody. And everybody sings soothing baby lullaby songs. That's baby Jesus Christianity. Fortunately, that's not the way it is, is it? Am I getting a little loud there? I figured that was the alarm that's coming out. <laughs> so that's how it starts, right? Baby Jesus Christianity. What it is, is it's head knowledge, not heart knowledge. They know there's a baby in the manger, but they haven't quite put that into what it means. They knew it was there. They could see it's a neat thought. They could see it's a beautiful gift. They could see it's a great love story. But it doesn't quite go down into their heart. Everybody knows about baby Jesus, don't they? Everybody knows about that. Come to us. A child is born. I need you to understand, Isaiah actually says, unto us. Us is inclusive, isn't it? Everybody. Unto us. Unto us. Let me give you an example of some baby Jesus Christianity. Here, let's take a look at Luke 18, verses 18 to 20. Here. This is the rich young ruler. He has some baby Jesus Christianity going on here. Look at verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Because he had baby Jesus Christianity, didn't he? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? How many of us know, without a doubt, there ain't nothing you can do to earn eternal life? There's nothing you could ever do to buy it, to earn it, to deserve it. This guy shows up saying, What can I do to earn that? What can I do to inherit it? Because, notice the word he uses, inherit. I'm sorry, but inherit something, you gotta be, you got to be related to somebody to get it, don't you? What is he saying to Jesus there? What do I do to inherit eternal life? Look at verse 19. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Now, please understand, Jesus has corrected his Jewish thought here. When he says, there's no one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. I love how Jesus gives him the commandments. He doesn't say, quick, say this prayer, and you'll go to heaven. No, no, no. He gives him the commandments. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not lie. Honor your father and mother. If you look at verse 21, he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became... Very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Why? Because he was a baby Jesus style Christian. As you can see, the rich young ruler had head knowledge, but certainly not heart knowledge. Let's take a look at our second part there in our 
Advent calendars, I begin to run out of time here. Second stage here, our second door, if you will, opening up in our Advent calendar. Let's look at unto us a son is given. We went from a baby born to a son is given. This is what Christmas is all about, y'all. It's about a son being given. It's about God Himself coming down and becoming a man for us. That's what Christmas is all about. That's where the sinner gets saved. Now, if you want to put yourself on the timeline of a Christian's life, they go from knowing about baby Jesus until accepting a son. And he becomes a Christian. This is where the sinner gets saved. And that's where most actual Christians stay. They never go any further. They move from baby Christianity until I've got the son. And I know I've got the son and I have life. And I know I've got life and that's good enough for me. And that's where most of them stay. Can I ask you a question about where you're at right now? Have you moved past baby Jesus Christianity into I have the son? Let's give a good example of what I call the son Christianity. Let's take a look at example number two. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved. This Christian has begun to realize that it was the son that was given to us. And why that son was given. He was not to stay in the manger. He wasn't to stay a baby. He was to grow and to become a sacrifice for us. For by grace ye have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not a works, as anyone should boast. Think about that. What does that mean to have grace given to you through your faith? Not of anything you can do. But of the gift of God. I love how Paul puts it in verse 9. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. We ought to say amen on that all the time. Because a lot of us would be boasting, wouldn't we? Look what I've done. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm going to do. Look at my intentions. How many of you know the road to hell is paved with intentions? Most certainly is. Example 2. Let's continue on here. When we get saved, we began to realize that it was because of the Son and what He did on the cross. We realized God gave us His Son. It was a gift. We realized the extent of the unspeakable gift He gave us to die on the cross for us, to give His life for us, to shed His blood for us, to cleanse us, to make us whole, to put us into God's family so we can actually say, I'm inheriting eternal life and not deserving it, not trying to get it, not trying to obtain it. Unlike that baby Jesus Christian who came up and said, what do I do to inherit it? No, no, no. A real Christian comes to the realization that God has given a son. And he goes from heart knowledge to receiving him as Lord and Savior. Let me call that grace. Grace. Let's move into stage number three quickly now. Stage number three or door number three on your Advent calendar. Imagine ripping the paper off of your Advent calendar. Finding three doors is pretty easy though, amen? The government will be upon his shoulders. The government will be upon his shoulders. Have you noticed the difference in the subject? It no longer is us. It's no longer us. It's no longer for unto us or unto us. Now it's the government will be on his shoulders. Whoa. What happened there? That is the mark of somebody growing in grace and knowledge and truth. And he moved from a baby born to a son that's given to he's the ruler, he's the keeper, he's the sustainer, he's the king, he's the Lord, he's God Almighty, and the government is on his shoulder. I trust him with everything. Somebody say amen this morning. The government will be on his 
shoulder. God expects Christians to progress from baby Jesus Christians to kingdom-minded individuals. The focus is no longer us, but Him. Let's take a look at example number three. Let's go back in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Let's just finish our verse 6 there. The government will be upon His shoulder. The government. That means, somebody say amen. It doesn't matter who's going to be the president. The real government's going to be on Jesus' shoulder. It doesn't matter who's going to be in charge of the United Nations, who's going to be in charge of Israel. The government is going to be on Jesus' shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful. And when you, Christian, grow from a baby into someone who believes in Jesus and holds to Jesus, to someone who serves Jesus and starts calling Him Lord, you're going to find out that He's wonderful. He's the counselor you've been looking for. He's mighty God, able to do anything. He's the everlasting Father, even when everything in this world is dying out. And guess what else? He's the Prince of Peace. Have you lost peace? Are you losing peace? Have you been in your bed lately? Laying there at night saying, I just can't go to sleep. I don't have that peace. It's time for you to let Him be in charge. It's time for you to let Him grow Prince of Peace in your life. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over His kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And we're on a countdown. We're on a countdown. We know that countdown is getting closer every day. Every day we wake up a little closer to when Jesus is returning. Every day we keep going through that. And I know sometimes that seems so far away and sometimes it seems even unreal to us. But I want to assure you that He is coming back. And I want to assure you that He is watching you. And I want to assure you that He is with you and that He will never leave you nor forsake you. But the question we have is where are you? your Christian walk? Are you still in the manger? Are you still there saying, where is baby Jesus? Where is he? I want to go back to where everybody was singing, silent night, holy night. Perhaps you're at the point in your Christian life where everything is about what God has done for you. That's good. That's a good place to be. But God wants you to grow on to the point where it is, what do you need me to do for you, Lord Jesus Christ, the government is on your shoulder. If you're going to be that kingdom-minded Christian that God is calling you to be, you've got to come to the point where Jesus is more than the sacrifice. Jesus is more than the baby. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Jesus is Lord. That means He has the right to tell us what to do. You ever had that before? You ever had someone say, no, and Lord, can that go together? But they do it all the time. They do it and have the nerve to say, Jesus is my Lord. And by the way, Jesus ain't doing that. You say, well, I've never actually said that. Well, a lot of times, most of the time, actions speak louder than words. Well, I guess. You don't have to say amen this point there. That action's enough, right? We've all done it. We've all been there. We all put ourselves back in those places. The question I have for you is, where are you right now? You have to say, Brother Josh, I am living in that baby Jesus Christianity. And I want to grow. Well, come on. I want you to let this morning be the morning that you let Jesus grow you. You have to say, Brother Josh, it's time for me to let Him be in charge of my life. He, the government on His shoulder. You know what that means? That means that I 
take my authority, whatever and how little that is, and place it on him and say, I trust you to take it. Let me tell you something, church. His shoulder is more than broad enough to carry it. Amen. He can shoulder it all, and he can take it where it needs to be, and he'll take you where you need to be. So turn back with me to a scripture we shared just a little while ago. Look in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. We'll conclude right there. The Bible says, For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. It is the gift of God. And we see that in Isaiah 9 6. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Given. It's a gift. A son is given. By grace you have been saved. Through faith. Not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Would you be willing this morning to say, Lord, I want to open your gift. Lord, I want to receive your gift. What is that gift? Why be willing to say, Jesus, your Lord. Perhaps the one says, Brother Josh, I need to be a part of Robert Family Baptist Church. How do I do that? Well, first thing I'm going to ask you is if you're a Christian, amen. <laughs> you need to get saved. If you are saved and you are baptized and you are a born again believer, then what you need to do is present yourself to God. Be a part of what God is doing at Robert Family Baptist Church. If that's the one of those, I say, God, God is calling me to the ministry. Whatever it is, we're going to give you an opportunity to surrender to that this morning. And perhaps you're one, last but not least, you'll say, God, I have a baby faith in Jesus. And I know I'm saved. I have a problem with it growing. It staggers between the manger and the cross. It doesn't grow. How do I get that to happen this morning? How do I get that to grow? And you know, you might think that's the hardest question, but it isn't. But it comes when you humble yourself and present yourself before Jesus and say, Lord, your will be done, not mine. Would you be willing to come this morning? We're going to have a word of prayer. He's spoken to you. I'm going to give you an opportunity before we conduct the Lord's Supper to come and get your heart right with you. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' great and mighty name. We want to thank you for all the things you can do in your house this morning. And Lord, as we Search in our hearts. I pray you would take charge of this time. Lord, if there's anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anyone, Father, that needs to get their heart right with you, would you let tonight be the night of the day you did We give you the praise, honor, and glory, even now, in Jesus' name. Would you come as we sing, Just as I am? Would you come? Come on. Right, you see?
Please be seated. partake of the Lord's Supper. Take time to remember baby Jesus in the man. Take time to remember the Son on the cross. And take time to know Him for the government on His shoulder. Knowing that He is Lord and that this world is going to be at His success. Amen. Remember those things. And think about those things. And think about what He did for us. The gift He gave us. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's time to go ahead and remove your bread. I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took his bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your son that you gave us. I want to thank you, Lord, for the body that was broken for us. And as we partake of this Lord's Supper, let us remember what you did for us, Lord. The unspeakable gift, Lord, the grace you've given us. Help us to remember, help us to never forget, and help us to proclaim what you've done for us. From now on until you return, Lord, we give you the praise, honor, and glory in your name. In Jesus' name. In the same manner, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it. And remember, it says, Amen. Can we pray together? Father, we come to now in Jesus' name, thanking you, Lord, for the blood that was shed for us on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for so freely giving your blood, Lord, so lovingly giving it to us, Lord, for washing us and making us whole and making us white, Lord God. I want to thank you that you've taken our sins and cast them away as far as the east is from the west, Lord. You place them down at the palm of the sea, Lord, never to be found again, never to be remembered again. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. And I just pray, Lord, as you would take this this juice, Lord, we would remember what you did for us and the blood you shed for us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. And all God's children said, Amen. Praise the Lord. In all my years of pastoring, it's been my tradition and my privilege to conclude every Lord's Supper with the singing of the hymn. And that hymn has always been, Jesus loves me, this I know. So I'm going to ask Brother Glenn, would you Play that for us, Brother Robert. Would you lead us in that? Let it be our closing prayer. Let it be our closing hymn.